oftentimes I feel like trying new things, whether it's dance or guitar lessons or rock climbing or whatever it is, I think it can oftentimes inform and positively impact the other areas of your life. George Canning. I am your host. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, especially if it's your first time. Now, I'm really sorry to be just so rude. However, before I go any further, you need to listen to this. And after all these years, you still don't know. Today's guest is the alluring recording artist Chelsea Pribble. Imagine being able to sing and dance so beautifully. Chelsea's album is titled Second Movement with tracks aptly named Pas de Deux and Prelude and this is what captured my attention whilst browsing through Spotify one day and why I felt a pull to talk to this mysterious ballerina turned singer-songwriter. I'm actually not going to spoil the story about how Chelsea landed her record deal with Sea Change Records. It's a fabulous story that I asked Chelsea to share in the interview, so I'm going to save it for her, okay? However, I can tell you that Chelsea studied ballet and music in Switzerland during her formative years before returning to the US to study a Bachelor of Fine Arts majoring in dance. As you'll hear in this interview, Chelsea finds it difficult to separate her love of dance and music which is why so often they interlock and interweave amongst one another through her body of work. I actually think it's really beautiful and powerful that an artist like Chelsea can not only write, compose and sing their music, but can then also dance in their own film clip. I mean, not many could say that. Few artists can create, I guess, such a holistic end product that truly encompasses what they're trying to portray. And what is Chelsea trying to portray? Well, there's definitely a hint of sadness about, you know, letting go of a dream to become a professional ballerina. But as you'll hear, it does also run a lot deeper than that. Chelsea's childhood, which I tried to delicately and politely explore, and I hope I did so, had a few struggles. And as someone who believes that art heals everything... I can see that Chelsea's body of work as an artist has created some focus and clarity amongst life ups and downs. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with this delightful young woman and I highly recommend everyone go listen to Chelsea's album Second Movement on Spotify. From the album artwork to the actual music, Chelsea's work has a beautiful balletic quality about it that I think 
really any ballet lover will not only appreciate but enjoy. I'll make sure that I share Chelsea's recent film clip in the Secret Balanced Ballerinas Facebook group. And if you're not part of this awesome group, make sure you search for it on Facebook. Click join and I'll be sure to add you to the community of fellow ballet lovers and listeners of the pod. We share lots of fun things in there. And by we, I mean everyone else who is so onto it. I'm a little bit slack. I should share a bit more. But regardless, without any further ado, here's Chelsea Pribble. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Chelsea. I'm very excited to talk to you on the other side of the world. You're in Texas and I'm in Australia. I would love to start at the beginning. So you started dance at the age of five, which is the same time that you started singing and learning the piano. So back then, I wanted to know, was there always a clear winner or did you love them equally? There definitely was a clear winner. I always gravitated to dance and that was my main love and main focus at a very early age. Um, I was always dancing around the house and watching figure skating on television and trying to do the, the axles and everything in the living room with my socks on. And I had begged my mom, I think at probably age three to get into some dance classes and um, our local studio at the time only allowed you to start dance lessons at five. Um, so I had to wait a couple of years even before I could get started. <laughs> and was this in Texas? Yes, yes. Um, it's I w- am from a small rural um, town in Texas. So there was actually only one dance studio and just a really small community. Lovely. And, um, and so did you start with ballet? I did. I started with a kind of a combo class like you find in a lot of um, studios with ballet and tap, tap dance. Nice. Now, I, um, as I said to you, I have spent this morning listening to your beautiful album. Um, and for those that are listening, I would love them to go listen to it. It's just beautiful. Um, but I wanted you to share with the listeners um, the story behind your record deal with Sea Change Records to start, because I think that's a really good starting oh, point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a great tale. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I was actually flying home, I think this was in 2016, so almost four years ago. After Christmas, I was flying from North Carolina to back to Austin because my parents uh, lived in North Carolina, so I was celebrating the holidays with them. And then I had a gig in Austin um, with my band, Little Red and the Riffs. And there was a connecting flight from Dallas to Austin. And I happened to sit next to um, Andrew, Alan Aguilar, who is the uh, owner, founder of Sea Change Records. And we got to talking about music. And um, he is very chatty in general, kind of just talks to anyone and everyone and loves to talk about music. Um, And so he had kind of apologized at one point in the conversation. And I actually told him, no, it's, it's okay. I love music. I'm, I'm a songwriter. I kind of kept it back a little bit (laughs) for a while. Um, And I didn't really know that he was a part of the music industry either. Um, And so 
we talked more about my music specifically. And then he ended up showing up at my show the next night um, and listened to some of my SoundCloud music. Um, and that's how our relationship kind of started professionally. I love it. It's such a great tale of right place, right time, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Now, I was going to um, read back to you something that I, I read, uh, a quote of yours. You said, as I've come to terms with letting go of my dance career as I envisioned it, I've been able to embrace a new future with music, with the clarity and focus that I didn't have with dance because I wasn't aware of all the external forces that were affecting my relationship with it. I wanted you to explain to the listeners what you mean by this and how you sort of went from really chasing the dream of being a professional ballet dancer to writing and performing music? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's a definitely a lot behind um, that statement and kind of what I define as the external forces. Um, but mostly growing up, I didn't really have access to um, kind of like a ballet academy um or ballet training in that way um because we had moved around a lot and so I was constantly changing schools and programs and so the consistency in my training was also not great um and then I think I also felt a little bit of pressure to um from my family to focus more on kind of practical um avenues academics right yes yeah and they were they I was in an art school um in high school but and they were supportive of that but they always kind of had this um I guess concern is the biggest way to put it of you know me being able to support myself and and things like that so um I never really felt free to fully embrace um that path that I wanted to until I got to college and was kind of on my own for a while. Um, and yeah, I also, I think went through a lot of, uh, trauma with my family and just kind of some generational, um, trauma and abuse. And so I definitely held back from believing in myself with ballet once I was fully training at the university um, and music came into my life around that time. And I think that that became the outlet I truly needed to find my voice in a way. Um, yeah. Um, yeah you, you said that you, you know, describe your childhood as full of difficult family dynamics. And I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that, you know, um, but you turned to journaling and writing poetry as a way to cope. Yeah. Um, did, did you want to explain just a little bit further about, if you feel comfortable, about, about you know, um, how that was cathartic perhaps for you and how you transitioned from dance to more music avenue? Right, yeah. Um, so I think when I was younger, um, there was a lot of stuff going on in the family with my mom's relationship with her parents. Um, and both of my parents kind of came from very, uh, I, I would say, difficult and traumatic families as well. Um, 
And so their intention was always to give my brother and I a a better, a better life. But, um, because mental health wasn't really a thing, I think in the the nineties, um, or something that was super prevalent and focusing on healing trauma, um, some of those patterns and behaviors and their own kind of like survival tactics from their really unhealthy environments kind of seeped into our childhood as well. Um, and so when I was younger, I kind of, without knowing that I was going through something traumatic, I was always doing a lot of journaling and writing to kind of express my feelings. Cause I couldn't do that in the situation that I was in. Um, yeah. and so what really that kind of evolved over time. And once I started college and I did have that distance and space from my family, um, that's kind of when uh, I started putting the poetry that I'd always kind of been writing to music. And um, I used to compose a little bit when I was younger in high school and play around even after I'd stopped taking any sort of music lessons and, so I already had kind of a foundation there and that made it a little bit easier to, to start composing in college as well. Yes. Cause you learned piano from a really young age. So that would have been such a great gift and tool to have. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it definitely has helped. I think I can't read music at this point anymore, but I definitely have the ear for it. And there's something internally that I I learned a little bit of music theory and I think it's just kind of like an intuitive understanding of music um, because of that foundation. So it's um, knowing that backstory, it's probably no wonder why your parents, you know, wanted you to go Mm -hmm. down a more academic route and choose something that was a little bit more, you know, solid of a career path (laughs) as, as opposed to the, the life of an artist. Um, But isn't it funny how the world works where you, no matter how hard, you know, you are steered, trying, tried to steer in a different path, you you do come back to what you truly love and you're obviously an artist at heart. So it's, it's lovely that I think it was probably a really good thing that you were able to take a step back and really find, it sounds like you really found who you are at college. Would you say that? I would say so. I think um, I was still kind of figuring it out, but I was definitely starting to to tap into that at that point because of that distance and space, like I said, that I hadn't had before. Um, so, yeah. It um, makes a lot of sense listening to you talk. Uh, the title of your album yeah. is Second Movement. Um, it's clearly a nod to your love of ballet and music. Um, for those that don't know, a first movement is, I guess, more more lively and a second movement is more dramatic and slow and lyrical. And as I was listening to your album this morning, you know, it certainly suits the album to, to call it that. It's just so very it's dreamlike, but it's also a little bit haunting. Um, is this your style or do you see yourself maybe venturing into first movement territory (laughs) down the track? I think for now, I'm still kind of in the haunted phases (laughs) of my life. Um, so I think that for now that will be my style. I've been kind of working on, um, a more, a full length, uh, record and, Mm -hmm it's definitely still in that realm of kind of the ethereal and 
uh, lyrical style. Um, but when I was in the jazz band, the five piece jazz band, I definitely did a lot more lively, upbeat kind of, um, fun music and, and songs that weren't really as deep. They were just kind of, you know, about fun little moments and things going on in my life at that time. Um, so yeah. I think How did you end up in the jazz band? I formed it. I, um, ah. yeah. So as I was kind of training in dance in college, I also, the university of Texas has a lot of song songwriting opportunities. Um, cause there's also a music school pretty close to the dance program. And so I had made some connections with musicians and started getting guitarists so I could compete in a couple of songwriting competitions. And then eventually that led to finding a full piece or five piece band. Um, and I, I had this idea once I graduated college to do a jazz band and kind of perform around the city in all these like loungy bar type places. Um, yeah. <laughs> So that's, yeah, it's kind of what I wanted at that time was just to kind of dip my toes in the, the Austin venue scene. Nice. And, and what did you learn from performing live? Do you feel like your ballet um, and your dance um, training helped you in regards to performing live in front of audiences? I think it did. I definitely always felt nervous. <laughs> going on on stage I think I'd gotten so used to expressing myself with my body on stage um that having to be vocal was a whole new thing that was definitely scary and I felt like if I was shaky you know that could affect my voice and my vibrato and so I really had to learn um kind of a few things but in general the performance and just kind of like moving around and all of that felt very natural to me on stage. Um, so I think that my, yeah, my dance training definitely contributed to feeling more comfortable and confident in that way, I guess, physically. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how many times you hear about actors or singers that they actually start off <laughs> by dancing yeah. and, and it's really um, interesting to watch actors or singers who haven't danced and how sometimes mm-hmm. uncomfortable they look in their bodies as they're performing. And um, I know whilst watching your official video for um, Overgrown, mm-hmm. um, it's really beautiful and not many singers could dance, you know, that contemporary classical style in their own video. So um, do, do you think dance will always have an impact and appear in your body of work? I, I think it it will and I hope it will when it's necessary or it suits the, the concept because um, it is such a big part of, um, yeah, me, I guess, and my story. Mm, and it's a unique point of difference because I was going to ask you how you're finding the music industry because obviously it's so incredibly um, cutthroat <laughs> and so incredibly hard to break through. Um, how, how's it all going? You know, I think it's been an interesting time, especially because of COVID as well. Um, I feel slightly kind of out of touch and disconnected with it, to be honest. Um, 
I don't think I've quite had enough experience, um, you know, to know what it's really like. It doesn't feel super cutthroat yet, but I also think that with this time, a lot of this time kind of quarantining and being alone a lot and really thinking about what I want to do next, um, I've kind of tapped into understanding what I want from music and I don't know if it's so much of kind of some of the things that a lot of musicians might uh, go after or want, you know, for me. So what do you want, what do you want from music? Yeah, I think I'm really just hoping to continue to, to express myself and stay true to that. And I know that a lot of that can get distorted with uh, major labels and, um, and things like that. So I'm not so much concerned about, I, I would love to reach far and wide with what I'm wanting to say and through my music, but um, it's not so much about the fame or the image or anything like that, um, that I, I see a lot in the industry at least. Yeah. Do you, do you prefer performing on stage or do you prefer um, the process or do you prefer the recording? What part of the industry do you love the most? The reason I ask is because when I was dancing as a as a young dancer, I preferred, to be honest, to be in the studio and yeah. and learning. I, I actually didn't like performing. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what, what your answer is and whether that is the same with your, because you said you were really nervous before with performing mm-hmm. on stage. Do you find that you're maybe the same, like uh, with dance, did you prefer being in the studio and does that transition over to your music? I think, I think so. I think I'm probably very similar to you in that way. Cause I did, I, there's a part of me that misses performing, but even as a dancer, I, I really enjoyed the training and being in the studio and working on the technique. Um, I think more than I did actually being on stage. Um, and I think the same, at least for the past couple of years, I haven't really performed at all. I've just been in the studio recording and I think building the, the concept behind the music, um, writing and really getting into the details of the instrumentation and the vocals is really what I love. It's creating a work of art, um, and maybe integrating dance in some ways or visual art with photography and things like that that I really enjoy the most. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see what it feels like to perform again uh, when I have the opportunity to do that. But right now I think I really know that I just love creating things behind the scenes and putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think during this time, especially in the world we're living in, <laughs> a lot of artists are going back to um, really enjoying the process mm-hmm. of of creating as opposed to performing because, well, you don't have a choice, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Not yet. No. Um, I was going to say with your, and I, I will share with the Balanced Ballerinas community, your um, your film clip. So what was the process in regards to filming that? Who filmed it for you? Um, were you, you know, um, 
the creative director for it or did you have somebody guiding you um, just because you've got so many beautiful uh, shapes that you're making with your body in regards to contemporary and classical movement? I wanted to know how much was you and how much was guided. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it was actually a very spur of the moment um, kind of shooting process we found. So Andrew, who's my executive producer and the owner of the Sea Change Records, um, he found a videographer, photographer through a company that he works for. And we scheduled the shoot maybe two days before. Um, but I had been, I had already had choreography and things that I had been working on um, probably for about six or seven months before the, the date of that shoot. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just ended up in a field and <laughs> uh, I just started moving and we kind of played around. It was very collaborative, but most of the movement and all of the movement was just from the choreography that I had developed. Yeah, where you're unique to probably other artists is that um, in um, an interview I heard you describe that when you create a song or when you write some poetry, you're actually thinking about choreography and movement that will go with that. Um, I'm sure that there's not many artists that do that. I wanted to sort of tap into how how that looks in your your head. What does that look like to you? What's your writing process? I'm sure that there's a few people in the Balanced Ballerines community that might be songwriters or singers, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure they would be really interested in knowing what your creative process looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, like mostly I if I'm feeling something and I just sit down at the piano, um, I start playing things and then I might find something that really matches what I'm feeling in that moment. And then I'll just start singing what I'm feeling as well. And so then the lyrics and the composition generally kind of work together. I haven't in a long time written lyrics first and then, taken it to music. It's kind of been a simultaneous thing. Um, And then once I have kind of developed the music or just even like an idea and I have it recorded on my phone, I generally start wanting to move to it as well. And so I, yeah, I just will maybe start uh, moving and experimenting with kind of the classical contemporary style of dance and see what happens even if I'm not doing it for a video or anything like that you're um you're the whole package Chelsea (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) it's awesome you'd be you'd be a creative director's dream really (laughs) you won't have to hire anybody to dance in your film clips (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I I might I think I'm as I'm getting a little bit older too I notice my limitations and because I'm not training like I used to um, I think it would be fun to also choreograph on dancers who are, you know, really in, at the height of their, their training as well. Yeah, I love a good film clip with some professional dancers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to, before we sort of wrap things up, I, I wanted to ask and inquire, it sounds like 
you know, your past and, and some trauma that you experienced mm-hmm. as a child really reflects in the music that you make. And it se- sounds like it's really cathartic for you. I wanted to know whether, it, what do you, what, what else do you do for that self-improvement and self-discovery? Do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you, uh, I'm just always curious. A lot of people find adult ballet because they're trying to heal a trauma and or or younger students are sent to ballet because they don't seem to fit in anywhere else. And so there are a lot of people in the ballet community that are dealing with trauma. And I, I just wanted to know, besides your music, is there anything else that you um, that you do to help you sort of deal with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I do uh, therapy uh, currently, which is helpful for me. Um, but I do also think that that can only take you so far. Um, and so I spend a lot of time reading things that I need to read in order to understand more about my circumstances and find validation as well. Um, and kind of seek to improve that way. And then I think dance is also a big part of that, even though I don't dance professionally, anymore. I still take classes and, um, you know, go into the studio and just move. And that is really helpful for me as well. But there are a lot of, a lot of different things that I do. And I think that that also reflects in my artistic endeavors too. Um, I tend to like to do many things rather than just one, one thing (laughs) to help. Yeah, I um I I always say that that I, I truly think that dance is one of the only things that that can heal both the mind and the body simultaneously, and um and it certainly feels like you experience that as well. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Well, being the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, I I do always ask my guests uh, their number one tip for leading a balanced life. I um do you, I mean I sort of wanted to know just knowing about your past and having our, our short conversation today. I wanted to know, do you feel like you have balance in your life with your art um, and how you express yourself now? And 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 what are some little tips that you you know bring to your daily life to find yeah. that balance? I definitely uh, feel a lot more balanced um, in my life. And I think that probably a tip based on my own experiences and kind of like ways that I do that is I would recommend just exploring anything that piques your interest at least once and Oftentimes I feel like trying new things, whether it's dance or guitar lessons or rock climbing or whatever it is, I think it can oftentimes inform and positively impact the other areas of your life. Um, Whether, you know, you're an artist and you try a different art form or just, yeah, generally, I think exploring things that you want to try is really important. Yeah, I really love that answer. I, I'm trying to think back and I don't think anybody's ever given that answer before, like just simply to explore. And I, I actually couldn't agree with you more. I feel like, you know, there's so many people walking around thinking, you know, I don't I don't know what my passion is or I'm too scared to try ballet or I'm too scared to try um, ballroom dancing or I'm too scared to try surfing. And and I think that, that I think the more you explore, the more you 
find out who you are and the more you find that balance in your life. So it's a great answer. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so what's next? So what's next for you, Chelsea? <laughs> oh, good question. Um, I have been doing a lot of writing and I think musically I'm really excited about this full-length record that um, I want to record very soon. Um, so that's on the horizon. And then I've also been looking into some artist residencies um, and hoping to, once everything clears up, travel abroad and maybe spend some time somewhere and um, sit down and really continue to create and write and choreograph. Sounds like a dream. Just the idea of an artist residency just sounds so glamorous, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I I hope that the world, you know, gets it together and you can and you can go do that because I mean, listening to your album this morning, um, is which is called Second Movement for those that want to find it on Spotify. Um for a first album, it's just beautiful. And so I, I can't even imagine what your next one will be like. Cause I mean, even no, you know, matter, no matter what you're creating, even me with this podcast, going back to some earlier episodes, I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's gotten so much better. <laughs> so for your first album to be as beautiful and stunning as it is, I, I can't wait to hear the second one. Will it be called first movement? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but maybe in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have had an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I wanted you to share with the listeners, um, first of all, if they're to listen to only one song on your album, which one do they? Which one do you want them to listen to? That's a great question. I think it would probably be under the covers. Um, I really, that's one of my favorites on the, the record. And it's also a little bit more, um, there's more instrumentation backing it um, while also keeping the feel of the rest of the record. So I think that's probably the best one to listen to. Yeah, Under the Covers is good. I quite liked Reprise. Oh, did you? Yes, yes. It's a little bit yes. shorter and haunting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, reprise or reprise? How do you say it? <laughs> it depends which part of the world you're in. I think so. Yeah, I say reprise. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so where can listeners find you on socials, my darling? You can find me on Instagram at Chelsea Pribble um, and also on Facebook at Chelsea Pribble. And then my EP is on Spotify and iTunes under my Chelsea Pribble. <laughs> Fantastic. Sleeping 
Sifting through the seeds I sown. 